With Legend about to hit the free agent market, could a Bobby Wagner Seahawks reunion be on tap in the Pacific Northwest? We'll investigate the possibility on a new Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Nick Lee, your host on this opposite day here in Locked On Seahawks. I'm going to be the lead host today, trying to give Corbin a a breather here as he still recovers from getting his wisdom teeth removed. And I know that's a a brutal process, so doing my best here to give him a a bit of a break. So I'm going to be doing some of the heavy lifting today as as Corbin deserves a a well-earned break. So um, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Now for your lead story here on the opening drive of Locked On Seahawks. The Rams, in case you didn't hear, were set to release Bobby Wagner, a certain guy that I think we're all familiar with here in the Pacific Northwest. An argument can be made that he should have been a pro bowler for the ninth year uh, this past season for uh, for his efforts with the Rams. 140 tackles, a career-high six sacks. He was used much more in, in pass rush for the Rams this year, earned a sparkling 90.7 pro football focus grade. He's clearly still got it, and he clearly still had it, especially against the Seahawks, you know, playing with a giant Mount Rainier on his shoulders um, with, uh, with, with those two games. And with Jordan Brooks set to miss a big chunk of time next year with that unfortunate late-season injury, um, to, to finish out the 2022 season for the, the Seahawks. They need linebackers. I think they need one, probably two. Um, so the, the question uh, to you, Corbin, is does a, a reunion make sense, and do you think it happens with Bobby Wagner and the Seahawks? You know, Nick, this is so strange uh, taking the wheel from you here as the uh, co-host, but I digress. Anyway, uh, it's an interesting dynamic because I think if we were having this discussion and Jordan Brooks had not gotten injured on January 1st, my answer would be quite a bit different than what it's going to be right now. But the Seahawks desperately need to have somebody at linebacker that knows this defense, that knows the players around him. And there's a possibility they won't have either one of their starters from last season on the roster. Brooks is dealing with injury and Cody Bar- next month and it's possible another team out there might value him more than what the Seahawks do right now and Seattle doesn't necessarily have a ton of money we'll get to more on that later in the show but I just think you look at the situation and if Jordan Brooks wouldn't have been hurt then I would have said yeah this is probably not something that's going to be looked into but I absolutely expect that John Schneider is going to be calling Bobby Wagner's agent who by the way is Bobby Wagner I anticipate that once he is released on March 15th, this is kind of an interesting circumstance. He's not going to be off the Rams roster until the first day of the league year. But once that happens, I expect that John Schneider is going to reach out to Bobby Wagner and he's going to at least offer the opportunity for them to have a discussion. What's it going to take to get you back here? Because this is a major area of concern. And just my opinion on this, Nick, I actually think that this would be a good fit and maybe a better fit now at this stage of his career with the defense that they are currently running than if they were running their more traditional four, three that they ran for the first 10 years that Bobby Wagner is here, because 
he's not going to be asked to run the same coverage assignments and he is not the same athlete. That is the one thing that has declined some, not that he's still not an athletic linebacker, but he's not the top tier athlete that he was for most of his career in Seattle, but he's not going to have to cover really large chunks of area in this three, four scheme with another inside linebacker next to him. And it might even be possible. This is the stage of his career. Maybe Seattle could ask him about this. Look, we might not have you play more than 90% of the snaps. There may be some nickel and dime sets where you come off the field, even though he had really good coverage numbers this year, there are some limitations in that regard, but in a three, four, you can blitz one of those interior linebackers more often. And we saw how effective he was doing that for the Rams. So I actually think he could be fairly effective still in this defense, maybe more so than he was in 2021 the biggest question mark, of course, is going to be the cost. And if he wants paid like an all-pro player like he was last year, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to meet those demands. But if he just wants to win at this stage and he wants to come home, then it's possible that this could work out for both sides. Yeah, I'm honestly pretty torn because um, obviously the, the, the Seahawks would um, – or I think Seahawks fans would enjoy a second chance at, at a good – uh, reunion and then eventual end because I think this has a better chance of ending better um, if he were to come back to, to Seattle and uh, play for you know one two years uh, I think that has a better chance of ending perhaps than how his Seahawks career ended otherwise um, but there's just a nagging thought in my head um, kind of like um, you know you're you're thinking about getting back together with an old girlfriend like you, you know she's pretty she's fun you had a good time together and uh, you liked being with her, but for some reason or another, you, you, you had to break it off. You, 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 know, you chose to part ways there. Um, and you're thinking about getting back together with this person a little, down the line a little bit. You know, maybe you two are di at different stages of your life now. Like, you know, you're two good people, but maybe you're not quite right for each other anymore. And you, you mentioned, you know, that the defensive scheme might be fit more. But, you know, it's just it, it, I think it'll depend a lot on how the Seahawks view, you know, the, the, the prospects of getting a top tier linebacker in the draft. I think if, if they make that a priority and they feel good about their chances and, and maybe the healing process of, of Jordan Brooks to get back later in the year, um, it, it's I'm a little torn because, yeah, I'd love the, a chance for the Seahawks to, you know, have a better, you know, have a little bit better of a, a swan song kind of moments for, for, for Bobby Wagner. But at the same time, you know, they're trying to move forward with this, this, this young core, this, this, this new hungry group, and not that Bobby Wagner wouldn't, you know, would, would drag them down or anything, but you know, it's the mentality of the team. You know, the leaders on the team are a bit different now, and I think a lot of leaders, you know, on, on this 2022 season for the Seahawks emerged because Bobby Wagner was not there. Not that he, you know, that that's a bad thing. It's just that's that's just the nature of the evolution of this team. So. I'm just wondering where they're at in the evolution of the locker room and just as a team, as a young unit, if, if they bring back Bobby Wagner for just one year and, and he takes that leadership role right back, which he would, I think, um, does that can maybe disrupt the ecosystem that they have now? I, that, that, those are questions I have. And, and it's not saying I wouldn't love Bobby Wagner flying around the, the, the field again at Lumen Field in a Seahawks uniform again. I would love that. Um, I, I just some of those uh, those questions I have kind of nagging in my mind. Yeah, it's understandable why you feel that way. I don't I wouldn't have any concerns about that just because a lot of these young players that Seattle had on the roster in 2022, like your Tariq Woolens and your Kobe Bryant's Boye Mafia on defense, none of those players are necessarily 
your front runners on defense in a leadership standpoint. And so I don't think bringing in Bobby Wagner is going to impact that at all. And think about some of the other players on that side of the ball. I mean, Quandre Diggs is already posting pictures of him and Bobby Wagner together, and he's trying to get fans to tweet at him about coming back to Seattle. So I just feel like from that perspective that that would not be something that's going to impact the ecosystem negatively. If anything, it's just going to give them another really strong voice in the locker room and a proven commodity on defense that can help raise the level of the rest of those young players around Bobby Wagner. And so to me, it just boils down to two things. It boils down to cost and are the Seahawks looking at bringing him back and is he willing to come back? That's the other thing. That we remember how this ended. Is Bobby Wagner going to have ill feelings towards the organization about the way that that bridge was burned? Now, I wonder if that's even going to be an issue because Pete Carroll and him met with each other after the game when they played in L.A. And so it seems like they've already kind of settled things a little bit there. But is that enough for Bobby Wagner to say, you guys last year didn't even let me know before social media said that I was getting cut. You know, I'm still upset about that. I'm not coming back. Is he going to be willing to overlook that? And I think he would be. It really boils down to the cost aspect. And the Seahawks, they already have some tough decisions coming up financially. And so trying to figure out whether he's going to fit into their plans and depending how much money he is willing to take to come back to Seattle, those are all factors that would be tied into whether or not this reunion actually happens. Well, yeah, let's, you know, reunion or not, he's a Hall of Famer, Seahawks Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer. And, and we wish them the best either way. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the salary cap. You know, it's, it's salary cap season now, trying to figure out um, some ways the Seahawks can make a bit more salary cap room to make some more moves, which might include extending or tagging Geno Smith. So don't come, don't don't go anywhere. We will be right back. This episode is brought your way by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. I'm still struggling with that. Uh, if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, man, I've got the thing for you. you got to try Built. With with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're, they're so delicious you won't, even, you won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution, even if it's failing at this point. And what, what, what makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in a 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably flavor. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy: 130 calories and four grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get you them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, churro. You can thank me later. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. So, Corbin, let's let's talk salary cap now. And it is definitely salary cap season, free agency, the new league year, just a few weeks away. And right now, just to kind of set the stage and set the situation, the Seahawks have 27 million in estimated cap space. That doesn't really account for rookies. Overthecap.com does a great job in it. They have what is called an effective cap space, and that accounts for that. And it's below 16 million right now after the contracts of Phil Haynes, Jason Myers, and Nick Ballore. So 
if you're doing the math at home, um, that doesn't necessarily add up to uh, extending Geno Smith to a you know franchise tag or, or franchise tagging him or extending him to you know what uh, probably he'd be asking for. So um, if you're thinking like that, like with us, we're going to have to kind of go through this exercise a little bit on how can the Seahawks make some cap room for this, and, and we start off first with some cap casualties, Corbin, and, and of, of these guys. You know, a name that jumps right off the bat to me, who I think is at risk, is Gabe Jackson. He's, you know, he's had a, he's been a solid guard for most of his career, and I'm not sure I'd say that he's been a disappointment in the in a Seahawks uniform. He's had some great moments. He's he's graded out well in some games, and he's he's just really struggled with injuries and you know the, the pass protection hasn't been there at times. But uh, at 6.5 million, you can save there by by releasing him. I think that's a pretty decent number. And with the draft coming up, I know you you and I both like uh, several guards in the first you know first day or two of the draft that I think we can both we both agree can step in and perhaps play day one. So um, Gabe Jackson is a, is a guy for me that jumps out as, as an immediate uh, risk for a cap casualty. Yeah, this is always a difficult discussion to have because the last thing that you want to do is talk about players losing their jobs or becoming free agents. But that's the reality this time of year. You have the Black Friday with coaches, and then usually around this time of year when the franchise tag window opens, you start to see teams. It's already happening around the league. The Titans basically released three or four high-profile players, including Taylor Lewan the other day. So these casualties are starting to come in. I anticipate that Gabe Jackson's pretty much already got one foot out the door. And with Phil Haynes signing his contract at $4 million cap hit for this next year, those look like borderline starter numbers to me contract-wise. I think the Seahawks are prepared to go into this year with Haynes or a rookie if a rookie comes in and beats him out. So I would be stunned unless somehow the Seahawks and Gabe Jackson work out some kind of an extension or something along those lines. And I just don't see it that being a move that the Seahawks are going to do. And so it seems to me like it's a given that he's going to be gone and that'll save you more than 6 million. That pushes your effective cap space up to around 22 million. The other big contract that they're going to have to figure out, and this is a little different situation because Shelby Harris was really darn good in his first season with the Seahawks, and he's a good scheme fit. He's played in a 3-4 defense ever since he started his time in Denver, so he played for Vic Fangio. He's been excellent in that scheme, and I thought he had a really solid first year in Seattle, but his cap hits north of $12 million next year. That is not a tenable number for the Seahawks, so... I figure they're behind the scenes trying to work something out for a one or two year extension with him because he's a player that I still think has a lot of good football. Defensive tackles can play well into their mid 30s and he's only 32. So I think that this is absolutely an extension that needs to get done. But at the same time, if they're not able to work that out, you can save almost nine million dollars by cutting Shelby Harris. I do think there would be some teams that would be very interested if he hit the market. So there's no guarantee you're getting him back if you go that route. But that would be the other really big cut that they could have that would open up not far from $10 million in cap space. So it creates an interesting discussion for them as they try to figure out where they're moving forward with him in the future. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think he did play really well. And in some metrics, he was a top 20, top 15 defensive tackle. And in and some uh, 30 quarterback pressures and a leader in the locker room, um, really a, a sneaky good pickup in that Russell Wilson trade. Um, you know, when when he came over, you know, he thought, yeah, he's probably a pretty solid defensive lineman. But once you get him in the door in the, in the building, you realize uh, the value that he brings 
to the defense. And so it, it would be tough to, to certainly completely cut ties with him and let him go. I think he's a prime extension candidate. I, I do. I think that they can find a way uh, to, to make it work, to maybe bump down that 8.9 or bump down that, that cap hit number, maybe not completely cut it loose, but, you know, wiggle loose a couple million with, with an extension here and there. So um, as far as um, other cap casualty risks, um, Quentin Jefferson, you'd save about four and a half. Um, Al Woods, about just over three and a half. So not, you know, not needle moving, you know, cuts, but all of a sudden, you know, that's also guys all along the defensive line. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that that's, you don't want to also hamstring yourself there. So I think of, of those also, you got to consider some extension candidates, guys that, that currently have contracts and maybe you can restructure um, how the annual numbers look or the av- average value for next year look on their contracts. And, and starting again with Shelby Harris, I think he's a prime candidate um, just with the, his production, his leadership is an, is another guy as well. Um, Uchenna Nwosu, what a revelation he was for the Seahawks last year. And I'd, I'd really love to see him uh, continue in a Seahawks uniform and whether that be in a restructured deal to again, wiggle loose a few million here. If you can work out a few deals or you wiggle loose three, four, five million in, in, in some deals that can add up, depending on what, what kind of deals you do. What else, or who else, Corbin? Do you do you think would be a good candidate as an extension to in that situation? Well, you just mentioned a couple of the other defensive tackles there away from Shelby Harris, and I'll get to that here in a second. But just to weigh in on Nwosu, as you said, I, I think revelation is the perfect word because I loved the free agent signing last year. And yet he still blew all those expectations out of the water. He was excellent defending the run for the most part. There were a few mistakes over the year, but he was certainly not one of the big culprits for why their run defense ranked 30th. He had made a lot of plays in the backfield. He had three tackles for a loss against the 49ers in their playoff loss. So he was excellent. I mean, over pressures this year and he's still only 26 years old. So this is the kind of player while you have him under club control, with a year left on that two-year contract he signed, this is when you have that window to re-sign him and maybe save yourself a few bucks because if he has another big season, he's going to be that much more expensive. And so you can open up some cap space in the present by locking him up on a three- or four-year extension. I would think it'd be about, it would be a three-year, so he, his contract would be a four-year deal to go till he was 30. That's what I'm anticipating here. But um, he would certainly be candidate number one for an extension. And then I think Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods. Woods with his age is probably not a candidate here for an extension. But Jefferson's still only 30 years old. And he ranked 14th in the NFL among defensive tackles and pressures this year. So there's inherent value there by itself as an interior pass rusher in this 3-4 defense that I think would make it worth it to consider trying to do an extension with him to save a few million bucks. And then the other name I'll throw out there is Noah Fant. He's going to be going into his fifth year option. You could do some maneuvering with his cap hit that's on that fully guaranteed fifth year option, open up some money and extend him because you do have some questions beyond this year at tight end. Will Disley's contract might be one that you move on from after this year. And Colby Parkinson's going to be a free agent after this year. So they're going to have to figure some things out. Those would be a couple other players that I think you could work some extensions out with that would open up some cap space and, and put you in better position to not only re-sign or franchise tag Geno Smith, but maybe be able to make another move or two. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, we thought the Seahawks had all this, all this room to make all these crazy, great, you know, free agent moves. But when you dive into the numbers, it's, it's not quite the case there. Um, and also with uh, some restructuring candidates. So, guys, you can move around a little bit of the bonus money or signing bonus. Um, you know, so you they might not 
change completely an extension of the contract, but you can, you know, start moving money from you know guaranteed and base salary and, and, and doing things like that, restructuring. And Tyler Lockett is a guy that that uh, according to the over over the cap, uh, which is again a great site for that, they they could uh, restructure with and say five point six nine million. And Quandre Diggs is another guy that that you could restructure at, at just over six million, and, and so both safeties just over six million at Jamal Adams as well. Um, so restructuring is also another option. Uh, what, what do you see as a as a viable uh, option for them in restructuring? I think of those three players that lock, it would be probably the one that makes the most sense. I think they probably want to avoid that with the safeties. This has typically been a maneuver that John Schneider does not like to do. He is the opposite of the New Orleans Saints. He does not like kicking financial cans down the road. He has not been a big fan of restructure. So I would think it's unlikely that any of those moves happen. I think the extensions and the outright cuts are much more likely. But if they were going to go this route, I don't think they'd want to do it with Jamal Adams or Quandary Diggs because you'd be putting massive cap hits on the next couple of years, especially with Adam with his injury history. That would make it a little bit tougher for you to potentially move on next year if you were going to do that. Tyler Lock, on the other hand, so durable, so reliable, you figure he's going to have a good chance to be on his contract through the, ex- the entire life of it, or you might even have another extension with him before it's all said and done. So that would be the one I think that they'd feel a little bit safer about doing if they were going to go that route. Again, like franchise tags, this has not been something that John Schneider has been known for doing very often. He does not like kicking money down the road. And this is certainly not the time for the Seahawks to handcuff themselves financially. This is a time to, to quite frankly do the opposite. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about free agents in the AFC West division that we thought that we think that would fit well with the Seahawks and with that limited cap space, perhaps don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Football GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise? Well, dream your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. If you want to give give John Schneider a run for his money running your own team, this is the way to go. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want or when you want to. It's a blast, and our listeners should join in on the fun in, our, in their own league. Locked On Seahawks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com, Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Welcome back. Once again, this is Nick Lee in a bit of an opposite day here at Locked On Seahawks. I'm I'm trying to give Corbin a breather here as he recovers, but that that's you know I hope you can uh, handle my voice a bit more today, you listeners. I appreciate your patience. Um, thanks again for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL podcast and get daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, plus in-depth analysis on the biggest games with NFL key predictions every Friday and Monday. Local insiders cover the weekend with Game 2 game episodes. Locked on NFL available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So, Corbin, let's talk about free agency once again here with the AFC West. We've been going division by division, picking one free agent from each team in in a division 
to to have the Seahawks perhaps sign maybe a good fit. And I'm going to start with uh, the the team that we've become pretty familiar with over the last year or so, almost, almost moving up on a calendar year, and that's the Denver Broncos. Um, there's a certain quarterback who certainly won't be a free agent for a while in Denver, um, but let's talk about which of these Denver free agents uh, that, are, that are coming up in 2023 the, in the offseason here, which one of, of those former Broncos or soon-to-be former Broncos do you think the Seahawks should sign and would be a good fit? You know, I'm going to start with a position that I feel like we've already talked about a little bit today. The Seahawks have some concerns at linebacker, whether they bring Bobby Wagner or not. They're going to have to make an addition to that position, whether it is through the draft, whether it's through free agency. And one of the few bright spots in a five-win season for the Broncos is a player that actually started his NFL career with the Seahawks as an undrafted signee, and that is Alex Singleton. And he had 163 tackles this past season for the Denver Broncos. Not a guy that's going to do a lot of other things in terms of stacking up sacks or a bunch of tackle for losses, but he was decent in coverage this past season, and he's played in a 3-4, he's played in a 4-3 defense, he's got some versatility, and he's got that grit, and he's got that chip on his shoulder, being a former undrafted guy that didn't make it in Seattle originally, and ended up launching his career in Philadelphia, and then had that really good season last year in Denver. So I don't think that in this free agent class, he's a guy that's going to command a ton of money, and the Seahawks already know him well from having him in uh, camp with the team during the offseason when he first came into the league. And so there's that familiarity aspect. So he would be a name that I think could be kind of a seamless addition to their team if they're looking for a starter caliber player that isn't going to break the bank. And a guy I think that's not, that's not going to break the bank either. Um, along the offensive line, we talked about perhaps a cap casualty with Gabe Jackson at guard um, that could perhaps be remedied. By Dalton Risner. Now he might cost around the same, <laughs> maybe maybe slightly less, but I really really liked um, his reliability in the passing game and pass pro, and that is something that Gabe Jackson really struggled with in Seattle. In almost 600 blocking snaps last year in the 2022 season, Dalton Risner allowed just three sacks. So three sacks and almost 600 blocking snaps. Now he's not really that highly thought of in the run game, but I think with some of the other pieces the Seahawks have along the offensive line and perhaps hopefully some more additions they make in the draft. Um, that won't necessarily be a huge you know, weakness, but I really like his numbers in the pass pro, and I think that's something that where the Seahawks can improve on. And he has played mostly left guard, and that has been mainly Damian Lewis's spot, but Lewis does have NFL experience with both. So, you know, you sign Reisner, and perhaps you can make it work with both Lewis and Reisner somewhere. Um, but I, I really like uh, either one of those, and they can switch it up. But having a, a good, solid guard to, to pair with Lewis – and whoever you pull in at center, hopefully, you know, a certain uh, center from the Big Ten in Minnesota, who I really, really hope they draft um, at center and, and anchoring him with two solid guards, I think would be will be a lot of fun. Um, and let's go from the team that uh, that we all have come to know very well, but also gifted the Seahawks the fifth overall pick in the Broncos to the team that won the Super Bowl, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so, Corbin, where are you going with uh, in, in the, with the uh, current reigning Super Bowl champions? So this is not going to be near as big of a move as the other two that I'm going to mention here, but the Chiefs have a history of taking Seahawk defensive linemen. Uh, they have Frank Clark. They have Carlos Dunlap. At one point, they had Jaron Reed. I mean, they like taking really good defensive linemen from the Seahawks and putting in their rotation, and the Chiefs have had a very good defensive line for a long time running. 
during this run getting two Super Bowls, that's been a big part of their success is their ability to get after quarterbacks. I think the Seahawks need to do a little bit of subtraction from Kansas City to put on their line. And obviously, Colin Saunders is not going to be compared to the three other names that I just mentioned. But at the same time, he's still a very young player. He finally was able to put things together. His first three years in the league, he had injuries and just had a hard time getting into the rotation. But this year, I had a handful of sacks, was disruptive, had several games where he came up with some big run stops as well. I've liked him since I watched him at Western Illinois as an FCS prospect. In fact, I wanted the Seahawks to draft him. And he is a guy that is not going to cost much money to bring in on a one-year prove-it deal, maybe even a two-year deal where you can get some value. And if he continues to improve, maybe can turn out to be a little bit of a steal, a player that I think could fit into this system. And so Colin Saunders would be an under-the-radar defensive tackle in this free agent class that could make some sense for Seattle to take a look at. You know me, Corbin, I'm all about the defensive line right now. I just really hope the Seahawks can can boost their defensive line in the trenches there, and I think that would be a great a great addition. I'm actually going to go a little off script for me, um, and I'm going to go with uh, a guy that made some certainly made some noise with with the Chiefs, made some noise in my fantasy team a couple of years ago, uh, and that is Michael Hardman. And he might be a little too expensive for you know third receiving option. He's not you know a, a top two receiver at the moment, but I think he adds a flavor to the Seahawks offense that they currently really don't have. A, a guy that is a threat not only vertically but horizontally. Any other you know direction you can think of. He is a threat and a guy that, you know, really the, the Seahawks were hoping that guy was Eskridge, And honestly, it just has not panned out. It's becoming clearer and clearer that, that Eskridge is, might not be that guy. And unfortunately, some of that is outside of his control with injury concerns. Um, but I think Mikul Hardman, you know, if the Seahawks are, are serious, perhaps about moving on from Eskridge, Hardman is a guy who, who's proven it. He's done it. He, he is coming off a groin injury, didn't play in the Super Bowl um, and, and it was limited a little bit by injuries this year. But I think just with with uh, his skill set, he would be an excellent addition uh, to the to the Seahawks offense. It'd be really really fun to see him to see some you know design plays with him in the run game too. You know the jet sweeps and and getting getting <coughs> excuse me getting things uh, ver- uh, horizontal as well as vertical. And let's go to uh, Sin City now, Las Vegas with the Raiders, and they certainly have had already an eventful off season uh, with their quarterback or former quarterback, I should say. Um, so where are you going at uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, Corbin? I'm going to go way off script here, but this is something that our listeners should know quite well. I am a fan of traditional fullbacks, and I feel like they're starting to make a little bit of a comeback in the NFL. You're starting to see more teams that are using fullbacks, maybe not in the traditional sense, because you have your Kyle use checks out there that are more pass catching weapons, but they can still block. I wish that the Seahawks had a more reliable I don't even know if reliable is the right word but just a fullback that was more involved in their offense and that leads me to Jacob Johnson who started his career with the New England Patriots and last year played a lot of snaps for the Raiders of the backfield 255 pounds he's shown in the past he can catch the football a little bit he's a really good blocker both in the run and pass game and I just think it makes defenses have to account formation wise for things that they don't have to worry about when there isn't a legitimate fullback. And this is not bashing Nick Ballore, but Ballore played 17 snaps to fullback last year. I know it's not a big part of the Rams offense or Shane Waldron's offense coming from that Rams system, but as much as the Seahawks like to run the football, you'd like to see them get back to having that bruising fullback that can really do damage in front of Ken Walker III and whoever's in the backfield and really open up seams 
in the run game. I think Jacob Johnson could be one of those under-the-radar difference makers that really gets that run game into true form where it's in the top five, top ten, as Pete Carroll wants to see it year in and year out. I know very few things get Corbin's excited more than talking fullbacks. And so I, I, that had to be coming eventually. Uh, I'm going to go on the defensive side and I, I might get some eye rolls since I, I was a little you know wishy-washy about Bobby Wagner coming back. Um, but linebacker Denzel Perryman is my pick. Um, he, he had a Pro Bowl season in 2021, very solid this year as well. Um, even though he didn't make the Pro Bowl this year, 83 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, two picks and a sack. Um, you know, pretty much all over the board, ranked 12th amongst, uh, amongst <laughs> ranked 12th amongst linebackers and run defense per pro football focus this year. Um, plenty of production for an off ball linebacker. He's, he's been a pretty, you know, solid and not maybe not elite, but a pretty solid and, you know, serviceable off ball linebacker for the better part of eight years. And he, he could fill in nicely for the for the absence of, of Jordan Brooks, especially if you know, I don't think he's going to cost that. I, I might be wrong here, but I don't think he's going to cost as much as Bobby Wagner might uh, might start might initially you know start wanting from teams that are coming calling to him. Um, and he, I think he would uh, Perryman would be a nice uh, and you know stopgap for whether you know Jordan Brooks is, is recovering or perhaps bringing along a draft pick himself. Um, you know, he isn't the same athlete side to sideline, sideline to sideline as, as Brooks or maybe even perhaps uh, Bobby Wagner, um, but really few are, honestly. So um, I, I'm going to go Denzel Perryman there as, as a bit of a stopgap linebacker who's been productive in his career. And last uh, but, but least, in my opinion, uh, let's let's go to uh, Los Angeles and talk about the Chargers. I still am not used to that. It never will be. Um, former San Diego or current native San Diego myself. Uh, let's go to the Chargers, Corbin, and who, who you got for the Chargers? So I'm going back to the linebacker position. It's really building off of your last pick there. I'm going to go with Drew Tranquil, formerly of Notre Dame, also played at Carroll High School in Fort Wayne, and I actually have some friends that coached against him, so I have seen this kid play going back to his high school days. And from a fit perspective, I do have some questions because he has struggled at times as a run defender, and he, he's not a big linebacker. And so at times he's had issues getting swallowed up by blocks. So I don't know in a 3-4 necessarily if that's going to play well. At the same time, though, this kid is an elite athlete. He has been able to make plays in coverage. He had an interception in their playoff loss to the Jaguars. Still can't believe they lost that game, but had an interception of Trevor Lawrence in that game. That's called chargering, folks, by the way, and, and they are pros at it. It doesn't matter if they were in San Diego or L.A. That curse went with them, but I digress. Tranquil is a player that you can blitz frequently, that can be used as a weapon in that regard, can get after the quarterback, can make plays in coverage. And I still feel like there's enough solid tape of him defending the run to think that there's still room for him to grow in that aspect. He might be a little more pricey than the other two linebackers that we've talked about on here because he is a younger player, a former high draft pick that has started a lot of games in the league. But he does a lot of the things that you're looking for modern linebackers to do well, particularly in coverage with that athleticism the ability to make plays on the football. And so he would be one that would intrigue me as one of the linebackers to look at if they're not going to bring back Bobby Wagner, but they're wanting to add a younger starter that maybe can play alongside Jordan Brooks for the next several years. Yeah, he would be definitely more than just a stopgap linebacker. I, I agree. Um, I'm going to go along the defensive line and Morgan Fox. Now, not necessarily the, the, you know, the sexiest name, uh, or, you know, the biggest, the biggest name, the biggest star, but, um, as a three, five, three or a five-tech defensive lineman, he's been pretty productive 
and limited snaps. He played in five in 55% of the defensive snaps for the chargers this year. And he got six and a half sacks and 11 quarterback hits. So he's, he's not going to you know, pop off the stat sheet and he's not going to, you know, he probably isn't going to be some, you know, pro bowl stud year after year. But I think if you know the Seahawks make a few more moves and some draft picks perhaps and kind of retool that defensive line, he could be a piece that could add some very, very solid depth in that defensive line and, and hopefully, you know, be productive even with some limited snaps. And so you, you can always use a bit of a boost in your pass rush. So Morgan Fox, six and a half sacks and just over half the defensive snaps for the Chargers this year. I thought was pretty impressive. So um, again, you can you can follow me on Twitter at Nick Lee 51. You can follow Corbin Smith at Corbin Smith NFL. Thank you so much for listening to this opposite day here on Locked On Seahawks. And we check off another week um, before you know the draft and before the free agency. One more done off the calendar, another X through, and we're all, we're getting that much closer to it to everything. So enjoy your weekend and go Hawks.